Hi, we are the Stranger Nerds. Mitchell Lee, Tommy Grant, and Nick Izzo here with you on Jersey Nerds Productions and our Stranger Things Watch Along podcast thingamajig that we're doing continues as we soldier on through season three. We're at the third episode now, The Case of the Missing Lifeguard. Guys, good to be back with you after last week. How the hell are you doing? Let's talk some Stranger Things. We're doing pretty good. Uh, we definitely missed you last week. Um, I know we had a lot of discussions about uh, what the magical code that Robin and Dustin and Steve are trying to figure out. Connor is very far off the bat, but I was definitely asking him because I, I was I was curious as to where his brain was going. But I know we definitely figure out the code in this episode, I believe, or next episode. I'm not sure. But we find out some more about this episode. Um, I know this is definitely more of a filler episode. I know we started talking about it a little before we started recording. But Izzo, what were your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I did kind of say the word bored before. I, 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 I Which you have said before. I, I, I hate to say that because like I, I wasn't like bored by it the entire time but i think just parts of it were just like come on can this like just get on with already i don't know it just i i guess i guess maybe slow maybe slow would be a better word that's, that's, that's i, I think that's fair yeah i'll take filler of season three over filler of season two any day though and, and as mean, much as this might correct. feel like a filler, it really wasn't because we are progressing all of the story arcs at the same time. And the best way I could describe this episode was it was like an investigation episode because every single group was kind of doing their own little mini investigation because you have Max and Eleven investigating the whole obviously missing lifeguard, hence the, the episode title. You've got Steve, Dustin, and Robin investigating the Russian code. You've got Hopper and Joyce investigating the lab. And then you have Mike and Lucas investigating the uh, mystery of the female species, according to Mike. And then you have Jonathan and Nancy investigating the rat problem. So everybody was doing their own little mini investigation in this episode. And nobody was kind of working together to help put the pieces together. I think that's why it kind of got boring because it was just like everybody was off doing their own thing. Nothing major was happening over arc season wise, but I think there's a lot of little mini story arcs kind of building up at this point. Well, and I don't want to exclude you from this conversation, Tommy. Of course, you can chime in, but I know Nick has been very much at the forefront of actually, no, Tommy, you're in this as well, as far as there are certain actors and certain characters who kind of go up and down. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start to see some characters really rise and some actors rise to the occasion and other actors kind of fade out or just not really be quite as good. And it's not just restricted to Noah Schnapp, but I know that Nick has been very adamant about certain characters acting stupid, particularly with Nancy in the last season. And I'm kind of there with a lot of the kids, yeah. especially yeah. Mike. 11 and to a lesser extent max but that group is just not interesting to me at all right now that's not where the action is and those actors and and i think i'm not as invested in this particular season at the moment well this season is also because we're getting a lot more of the you know puberty kicking in you're getting a lot of the teenage romance and teenage angst kind of kicking in and that you know that's kind of the same thing for me as well. It's like, it's not something interesting I need to watch. We all went through that in high school. We we've escaped that. We don't need to go back to it and watch a bunch of teenagers act about how to be a new teenager, especially Mike. Mike, I think is definitely the weakest point. I, I really hate yeah. his character this season. I I've, I've said it multiple times. It's nothing against him as an actor, but I mean, I think he does a great job at being a fucking asshole angsty young teenager but it's just i hate his character yeah i think a lot of it has to do with how his character is written 
uh, Finn Wolfhard as a as an actor. I, I I don't like quite as much this season as the first two, but I think in this season particularly, it's not really on him. He's given some not so great material to work with, and the whole Max Eleven Mike. It it just. I, I this episode in particular, I just didn't really like being with any of them. Maybe maybe not so much Max. Let me let me exclude her from that. But Mike and Eleven, I think, really just not interested. Yeah, All right, that's fair. Yeah, it's like very like almost cringy in a way where it's just like, uh, like can we just can we decide what we're doing here, like? Yeah, it's it's They're in a limbo period right playing, now where it's playing like, this back and forth game of like, oh, like he likes me, she likes me not. Like it's just like the you know, they're they're playing all these mind games that don't need to be played and you know I I guess for teenagers that's like a thing. But it just it's just like ugh, like come on. Get get out of that emotional hole. We don't need this right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> and we're even getting a little bit with Hopper and Joyce. Like even Hopper's acting a little immature this season too, because you get his reaction. But you get him kind of I would say almost acting childish with the whole Joyce hanging out with Scott Clark and going, you know, he him being stood up, like it's almost like he's back in high school too. He's like, You dished me for the nerdy kid. Like really, like that's like that's what you're doing on your your Friday nights instead of going on a date with me. And like, yeah, I, I started I, I understood it. I understood it because they made plans. He got excited. She he said it wasn't up. a date. Though. I understand. I mean, I I feel like that. Come on, yeah, not a date, my ass. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like they both understood again, what was going on. Again, why are we playing these mind games of trying to read the other person? Just fucking say what you want, and then just be clear. Because, because that's what I'm saying. Like they're they're almost acting childish because they had yeah, crushes on each other in in high school, but they never got together, and they're still playing the beat around the bush game. But that's something kids. And that's what I'm saying. Like they're acting childish, and they're not just being adults and saying, "Hey, this is what I'm feeling." They just. Hopper gets drunk and just yells at Joyce for standing up for the nerdy guy and yeah. playing with magnets. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, and because like so much has happened, it's like it just everything is just too weird. No, yeah, I feel like they can't live normal lives. I'll say that I, I kept mentioning Max and then kind of retracting it because I kind of grouped Eleven and Max together, but at the same time. Max has that connection to Billy and trying mm-hmm. to figure out what Billy has going on. And that was a lot more interesting to me in this yeah. episode. So, I mean, with that, do you want to dive in and start talking about the wonderful Max 11 bonding episode? We Let's have? go for it. Yeah. Um, Something like that. Because with, I mean, just with what you're saying, we started off the episode with 11 and Max having a little sleepover and, they're reading comic books, you know, dancing to Madonna, looking at, you know, girly magazines. Max teaches Eleven about Ralph Macchio, the the sweetheart of the 80s, I guess, for, I guess, most teenage girls, apparently. And then they start talking about kissing and is Mike a good kisser and all that kind of stuff. And they have the great idea of the best superpower ever of, hey, we could just spy on them and see what they're doing right now. And I thought that was a great scene because we've never seen Eleven really use her powers for just casual Fun. use. And Max is kind of what brings that bad influence to the table because obviously she's a little bit of a rogue. And I think that's a great part of her character that kind of breaks Eleven out of her shell. But as always, you know, you catch the guys just doing stupid shit at sleepovers. You know, Mike and Lucas are trying to figure out what the hell Mike did wrong. And Obviously, Mike, you know, being a guy, thinks he's done nothing wrong and talking about how women don't think logically and just think with all their emotions. And the next, you know, they're having a fart battle because, you know, every kid at their own sleepover, we always had fart battles, as most people do. And they all just 11 just gets the full visual of like, oh, my gosh, guys are so stupid. 
and just comes out laughing. And this is where I think Noah Schnapp really just exceeds at being a terrible actor because he's just that mopey kid in the background, just like, guys, why are we talking about girls? I just want to play D&D the whole time. It's very, very one note, and he doesn't carry that one note well. No, and, and it's funny because he every episode so far this season, that's all he's done. It's just, that's like his one line is like, hey, why don't we play D&D? Hey, can we play D&D? That's I all think he that was just says. Noah Schnapp. Like, he forgot what his lines were, and there's like, fuck it, put it in the damn. <laughs> They're going to be confused if he's not in it at all. I forgot my line. I'll just mention D and D. It'll be fine. Yeah, but it's it does feel like he's in a completely different environment, on a different script, in a different set than everyone else. It's yeah, stunning. It, it is. But we also get a great scene with Hopper, which I, I love every time I see it, where he comes home. He's drunk, sees the door close, thinks Mike's over, and just bursts in screaming three inches. You better just keep the, the damn door of, open. Just the look of shock and confusion on his face when he sees Max in the room, like, oh shit, what did I just walk in on? Like, oh God, I'm a terrible father. <laughs> oh yeah, I, go ahead. Close the door. I don't care. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, it's just a friend. Then he finally goes into relax mode. You just see him kick back out on the recliner, has some I'm guessing bourbon. I couldn't tell what he poured into, <laughs> but it's definitely some more alcohol. And it's just got the big you know, shitting and grin on his face. And he's like, finally, Mike is out of the picture. Life is good. And that's all he's wanted. It's just some relaxation time. He's waited months to get it. And he has. I get I get I get it though, because I mean Mike's annoying. That's that's literally how I've found him for most of this venture that that we've that we've went on through these episodes is <laughs> Just like, dude, just like, shut up. I like to stop say, whining. I get it, my like, kids you're are just like, out all the time. Like, he's just a whiner. That's just what he does. <laughs> he just whines, bitches, and moans. Everything's a problem. It's just like, oh my god, and, and it doesn't change. But do it, you it like just, him it though? Change. Do I like him? <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Do I like him? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, you seem very complimentary. No, no. You sure? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we get Max and Eleven creating a new game out of this because, of course, you know why not just spite you know spy on Mike and Lucas when you can spy on whoever you want, and they create a basically a spy board of basically it's a uh, spin the bottle, but it's who we're gonna spy on today, and we see the one I really wanted to see was Mister Wheeler. I would have just loved a shot of him just snoring on the couch. We get enough of that, man. <laughs> well, it, it's just funny. I, I thought it would have been a funny scene just to have him randomly just like anyone you could have choose, chosen. You just go for Mr. Wheeler and he's just like sleeping on the couch somewhere. Or we just see him doing some crazy shit that we never would have guessed him seeing, guessed him doing. I but, saw him in a movie. The guy that plays that, uh, Mr. Wheeler, I saw him in a uh, really good movie I saw lately called American Fiction. And every single time I see him, I'm just like, are you supposed to be asleep in a corner somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> are you supposed to be doing nothing and contributing yeah. nothing At to least the story? It, it's good that he didn't get typecasted as a couch dad. No, he was giving an award at an award ceremony, which is like, all right, you're standing up hey, doing something. Hey. He's he's doing some public speaking. That's <laughs> yeah. going, hey, hey, every time five seconds. I do think he did say that at one point. They're like, ah, hey, like, well, <laughs> you, you can't take it out of him completely. Now he's back down the ladder. <laughs> so they, with this little magical spy board, they land on Billy, of all people. And I just love how Max warns Eleven of like, you know, if he's with the girl, he could be doing some weird stuff. So, like, just a heads up, you might be walking in on some, some some gross shit. But what we get instead is we see Eleven watching Billy drag Heather down into the steel mill. And we get a weird moment where B- 
Billy kind of senses Eleven's presence. And that's something we haven't really seen before in any of Eleven's visions, with the exception of the Upside Down monsters. So I was curious, Nick, what you thought of that scene, because it's definitely something that even caught Eleven's attention. Like she was kind of caught by surprise that Billy sensed her watching him. Um, I mean, that just kind of tells me all the more that, you know, Billy is uh, possessed by, you know, and uh, more a more serious entity, I guess, if you will. Okay. Um, it, it definitely reminded me of uh, from the from the What If show from Marvel when the Watcher. Mm-hmm. When when Ultron finds the Watcher, like it, like that, it kind of reminded me of that because it's like, you know, he he's he becomes so powerful that he can sense like beings from another like you know dimension and universe. So, True. in a way, like I guess because Billy is possessed by the entity, the entity can kind of you know I guess see things through Billy. I guess. If that makes sense, but yeah, yeah that makes sense. I definitely yeah. was like, huh, like I didn't know that was an ability, but I do now. And, and I have one other gripe with this scene is Eleven just witnessed Billy doing sketchy shit relative to the upside down with a, another basically dragging someone to be fed to this monster. Why didn't Eleven tell? Hopper. Because I get it, it's like the whole like there, you know, she shouldn't be using her powers for this kind of thing, but like she sees something that's off with someone who we know that's been involved in bad shit. Why wouldn't she go tell Hopper and saying, Hey, uh, we think Billy is murdering people and feeding them to this, you know, creature from the upside down. Might be something to look into. I it bothers me that they didn't say anything to Hopper. Because that would have solved a lot of time and not had Hopper kind of running around town chasing Russians. That would have absolutely made sense. Um, I think they just felt the overwhelming need to uh, do it themselves. So, because, like, they, they just, you know, they, 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 I guess they feel so much pride that, like, they, you know, they want to just find out all the information and, you know, that's why they end up going over to, you know, find Billy. I'm not going to get into all that now, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're going to go right to it now because oh, okay. that is what that is what happens next is they decide yeah. to go on their own little mini investigation adventure. And even if they didn't tell Hopper then when they're in Billy's room and they find, you know, the bags of ice in the tub and then the lifeguard bag and whistle that had blood pretty much all over it. Like those are pretty big indicators of like, all right, something's not right. There's probably someone who's been murdered. We should probably look into this and not just handle it ourselves. No, you got it. Just, I I mean, I, it, it still bothers me. It's just like, you have Hopper who literally, like, it's not like it's a secret. It's not like they're, like, breaking anything crazy to Hopper. Like, well, this Hopper's should be. Not, Hopper's not cool, yo. Hopper is cool. Hopper's not, Hopper's not cool with the kids. He doesn't let them make out. That's not cool. Not anymore. Cool people let you make out. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But in the next scene is they go to the pool and they talk to the lifeguards and they don't just, give a fuck who don't give a, f- that's very accurate though for just summer jobs because yeah, as, as a former, you know, summer club lifeguard, the thunderstorms were what saved our day is because we literally did not have to do anything. We got paid to sit there and tell people, Nope, you can't go in the pool. And you just hung out until the storm was over. And if it got bad enough, you got sent home and you still got paid for the day. It was great. You got paid to tan is basically what a summer lifeguard was. That was sounds my... awful to me. I just burn. So, well, yeah, because you're whiter than white. 
you got the you got the pasty skin. You gotta keep you gotta keep applying sunscreen, and eventually you'll tan a little bit. Either that, no, or just get a, there, a really no, no, there, nice there even is, layer of red. I'm not even that. I used to be like, oh man. Now I'm just like, I don't care. It is. You what just it add, is. you just add more freckles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and then I realized I, I got to a point where I'm like, oh, there's 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 some women that are into that. All right, we can we can roll with this. Yeah. I mean. There's a person for everybody. And as a now engaged man, obviously it's proof. Aha. <laughs> but I love the fact, not jumping too far ahead because it is relevant. I love the fact that they just go to her house and just like walk in the front door. They don't they don't knock. They don't call in advance. They yep. they just walk yep. right in, completely oh, we, uninvited. We will, we will get to that in literally the next scene, <laughs> because what leads them to it. going to this house is Eleven basically just turns the pool showers into a little like makeshift. I don't even know what you would call it, but basically just a white noise machine, so she could use her powers there. Finds this red door, which why is it in all the movies? It's always a red door. It makes me yeah, think of the uh, the Insidious movies. I was going to say, there's literally a movie that came out last year called Insidious The Red Door, and it was terrible. Oh, that was awful. Yeah. I loved that favorite. franchise, but I hated that movie. It was awful. I can go either way with that franchise, but uh, that, that was the worst one. Nick, have you ever seen this? I know you don't like horror movies, but have you ever seen those? Nope. Okay. You're not nope. missing anything, especially after the second one. First two are good. Oh, the first third, two are the only ones that are good. After that, first two shitty. are good. The third one is fine, and then the last two are skip. Yeah. But okay. anyway, we digress there. But we get Eleven seeing Heather under the tub of ice screaming, help me. And then Eleven gets dragged down, too. That was another thing that kind of was a little trippy with this. We've never seen Eleven get physically attacked in the upside down. So, like, is this an evolution of the monster? Is it a new ability the monster has? Or has she just never really gotten close enough to get attacked? Because even Dr. Brenner in all those flashback scenes have always told Eleven, like, they can't touch you. Like, you're okay. Like, they're not going to hurt you. Now we actually have her getting, like, physically dragged around. So that kind of threw me through the loop. I think I think uh, I think that is part of part of it is like the evolution of like what they're what they're dealing with, I guess, so to speak. Like I feel like all the monsters and people that she probably visited with Brenner were maybe not as like you know powerful as what they're dealing with now. So I think it's I think it's the evolution in that of like you know. It's it's a stronger it's a stronger foe. So there's we, gonna, don't, even, we don't even see what do, drags do with a lot more. Which is yeah. the trippy part. And like Mitchell, I almost feel like if it's connected to the villain of season four, if maybe that's if that entity is able to do those things, like it, they never explain what drags eleven around. No comment. I know. I don't want to potentially spoil <laughs> anything, so I'm gonna leave it yeah. alone. But so on to that, we get to the scene where they just waltz right into the household. Don't even knock or anything and just walk in dripping wet. Any mom would have been pissed off if, you know, you have two kids soaking wet, just walking through the house because they definitely have a little more of a high end, you know, nicer lifestyle kind of house. And we see Billy being a charming, charming young man. That we know he is not. And even Max has that just look of like. She can tell something is off with Billy. But she's in, she's just in such denial. And like she even asked him. And he's just like all concerned about her. And just is a great scene of just you know something's wrong. And it's just waiting for Eleven and Max to kind of figure out what is wrong. And Nick, yeah. what did you what did you think was actually happening before we get to what actually happens? Like, 
when you were watching, it's like what what you think was going to play out at this point? Because in that in that scene, in that scene, because they definitely build up as a very awkwardly tense moment. Well, I definitely thought, like you, like you guys touched on earlier, I I I definitely thought um, it was weird how they just walked in, and then the first thing they said when they walked in was, "Oh, we didn't mean to barge in." And it's like you, you, you fucking yes, did. You did. Like what? <laughs> like the hell are you talking about? Like you, you clearly came in with a a plan to just waltz right in. And the so, fact that, like, even after they entered the house, they didn't say hello. Yep, like, nothing. Hey, Billy. No, you they here? just peeked around the corner and they were just like, "Oh, sorry." We like it's just like okay, like you, you guys did not plan this very well um i think during it what i thought was i thought the parents were already taken and then i saw after the fact i was like ah, okay because they were acting just a lot more calm than i think i than i would have in this situation (laughs) so i was like huh they're all naturally calm right now and then I, you know, Billy was acting weird, and I said, "Yeah, no, that's normal for what's going on." And then, as soon as uh, you know, as soon as Heather came out, I was like, "Yeah, I figured." Oh, I, you mean I, Heather with the fresh batch of cookies? Like, yes, with, yeah. that, with a crazy face on, like oh, crazy dude. face. Yep, absolutely. As soon as yeah. you saw the face, you were just like, "Uh, yeah, she's definitely." One of and like eleven and eleven and Max kind of cued in on that too. They're like, something's not right here. Yep. She's alive. Yeah, well, let's she... get the fuck out of here because something's not right. Right. Yeah. And then immediately, once once they leave, it's just like they go to work. Just like yep, yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Yep. Well, I mean, you get the wife basically passing out and then yeah was it heather i think it was heather that knocks knocks her dad out with a wine bottle and then finishes off with the chlor i'm guessing it was chloroform or something that knocked him out and she says the same thing to him that billy says to her yes i'm glad you noticed that because that will play into a little bit when we learn what's finally possessing them next episode That'll kind of tie everything together, make you go, oh, that makes more sense. Well, that's probably like, I don't know, the the way that I feel like the show goes about clues and, you know, foreshadowing and and stuff like that. Like, it it just kind of, it seems like something that was probably, was one of the last things that was said to whatever entity at whatever time. Like that's just how it feels, and and we also get before we wrap up this little story, we get a very interesting scene with Billy when he closes the door and he kind of like locks onto Eleven, and you see what's kind of going on. Like you see him having a flashback. Like it's you realize, all right, it's the monster from the end of season two. The mind flare is what's possessing Billy and all these other rats and shit at this point so it kind of it's kind of that monster reveal of like the monster is looking through billy's eyes and notices 11 as his basically his arch nemesis at this point i think it took him a minute to realize because obviously 11 looks much different than her uh emo goth phase from the end of season two but she you know the monster kind of finally cues in like oh this is the same thing that basically locked me out last season (laughs) yep and that's kind of the big reveal. Like it's the mind flayers back and it ties in a little bit. They don't do a big reveal, but it kind of goes back to the question I asked you last season with what happened with that little piece of the monster that left Will's body. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what ties into how this monster is still alive. And that was like the big reveal of like, oh shit, the mind flayer is still here. Okay. So with that, what? No, I was just saying, like I see, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. 
So now let's move on to the more fun, entertaining part of the episode, and that's the power trio of Dustin, Steve, and Robin. The amount of sarcasm and witty humor that comes out of these three is definitely what keeps season three alive and entertaining for me. There's plenty that keeps it alive and entertaining for me, but when I think about season three, I think about Steve, Dustin, Robin, and Erica. Those are the four that I think about the most when it comes to this particular season. Although there is another subplot that we'll get to later that I actually do quite like. Um, Yeah, this everything, everything that takes place in Scoops Ahoy. Yep. Two thumbs up for me. I, I love everything about this group, and I know exactly what little mini subplot you're talking about. But we open up with Robin dealing with Erica and her friends, just doing what every kid knows how to do is just how to get more free shit. And Erica is just so like, she just does not care about anybody and just is like completely hustling Robin down for more free ice cream. And it's like, where's the, like, where's the, I don't even know what the hell she calls him. Basically, where's Steve? Because she knows she can just get more out of Steve because Steve just doesn't care. And we see Dustin and Steve on the lamest Scooby-Doo stakeout in the middle of the bushes of the mall. Like, I I just wanted to know what was going through their minds of, like, how is this hiding? Like, you're not in any sort of casual gear. You got Steve literally in an ice cream outfit. And you're just standing behind a little bush in the middle of a very active mall. Like, how are you hiding? Like, what was the mindset of, like, this is the place we're going to choose? They're hiding in plain sight, duh. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> like, they, they have their binoculars and everything. Like, I, like, honestly, they look more like perverts than they do, like, kids, like, actually trying to spy and shit. Like, they're just sitting there just... And, of course, you know, we see Steve do that, too. Like, he's looking at all the kids, you know who's dating who, who's flirting with who. And you have a very interesting moment between Dustin and Steve where they always seem to manage to have bonding moments no matter what the hell is going on. And you have Dustin kind of call Steve out like, why are you worried about all the gossip? Like you have this perfect girl right in front of you talking about Robin. And Steve starts listing out all these, you know, bullshit high school reasons of why he's not interested in her. It's like, She's a dork. She's in the band. She did drama club and all these things. And I really like how Dustin kind of pulls the big brother move of like, wouldn't you rather be with someone who you actually enjoy being around other than just popularity? Like Steve is still just, he peaked in high school. He's and we stuck see in that, that high school. Yeah. And I just like, I love that Dustin kind of called him out. Like this kid that's like so many years younger than Steve, just like, dude, like, this is like this is what's really important in life, and Steve just like completely not even thinking about it. He's not in the cesspool that is high school, though. No, and it's very easy to get caught up in all that and thinking that that social real estate actually means something when you're in it. When in reality, it 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 does not. It has no value. You cannot no. transfer it. It means nothing. Nope. Like in high school, I I just chose to be friends with everybody. If they were nice to me, I was nice to them. Like I didn't really care. Like I was never. We we basically had our little band of misfits, which is where, where we thrived. Like me, Nick, Connor, we were all part of the same friend group. We all had extensions of those friend groups, but like it was just a ragtag of idiots that just always entertained each other. See and, what I did down here was a very different approach where everyone loved me and I just plowed everyone. No, I'm just kidding. That's not how it worked. Um, I, yeah, I was kind of in the same, the same area as you guys where I could kind of talk to anybody, but that also meant that like, I wasn't like tight with anybody until like my junior or senior year. So it took yeah. me a minute. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also had a much different experience because you literally had to go to a whole brand new state. And I moved meet all new people. I, well, I moved in eighth grade and then I changed high schools and came across a bunch of people that I didn't know. Yeah. So it was so, very I mean, different. You, you had a terrible socialization experiment because it's just like you're really thrown in with it all had new ups people. and downs. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
especially you being a Jets fan moving down to the South. Like, I'm sure it was hard to find Jets fans down in the South. Actually, it wasn't because the Jets were very good at that point in time. And so there were bandwagon fans that like <laughs> that I, I'd rather hang out with like Patriots. You were able fans. to rope them in. <laughs> no, I don't. I No, I don't like I'd rather you be a Patriots fan, a Bills fan, a member of Al Qaeda than be a bandwagon Jets fan. No, no respect whatsoever. Then how did you make friends, Mitchell? I did. Because all you talk about is football, football, football. Ah. That's all you know. I've got a secret life you don't know about. But anyway, oh, I would love I would love to meet that secret life because all Speaking I knew secret. growing up with you was Jets, 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 nothing but Jets. Ah, well. I mean, hell, sleepovers was nothing but playing Madden and I beat oh, your what? ass too. Oh, you always beat my you and Nick. And, you and Nick always destroyed me at Madden. And you there, wanted no... to watch whose line is it anyway until four yes. in the morning. Oh, absolutely. And I was like, Tommy, can show. we just go to fucking sleep? And you're like, no, but this one's funny. And I'm like, you know what's funny? The back of my eyelids. Nah. Good night. You were, you were never, you were never dedicated. True. You always <laughs> fell asleep so early. You were never dedicated to the true sleepover experience. That's that's very true. That's Me very and Nick, true. we would get drunk and play Halo at 3 o'clock in the morning. Set the Turn the settings on to where you can jump really high and we'd only have rocket launchers. See, that's yep. that was college. No, that I I had to uh, that was more think. high school and college, but yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sneaking sneaking down to the basement at two o'clock in the morning to get more alcohol out of the secret stash, you know, a lot of a lot of fun things. Now, now you're just incriminating yourself. No, well, there's no statute of limitations on that. <laughs> Book them, boys. Your your gentleman Jack <laughs> Nick. That wasn't your gentleman Jack. Do you Who's not remember was? this? Whose huh? was it? Your father's. I'm <laughs> supposed to say that. Oh, well, we'll have you to edit the, it out. You missed the cue not there. <laughs> and mine. So so that jazzercise guy. Uh, the jazzercise guy. I'm, try, I'm trying the, to get Nick out of uh, any bad situations by <laughs> furthering the plot of the show. It's fine. We we can edit this out, Nick. Don't worry. That's okay. Just... I, I beat <laughs> well, with that edit. Keep it in. Mr. Izzo, if you're listening to this, thank you. Your son's a delinquent. <laughs> he already knows. <laughs> he knows yeah. Him. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so back on to the plot. We have Dustin and Steve spot what they think is the top secret Russian, the tall blonde dude carrying a duffel bag. And yes, it turns out to be a jazzercise exercise instructor. And I love the look on Steven Dustin's face when they realize like, oh, this is not who we thought it was. And, and also, it's just not going to be as easy to point these people out as we thought it was going to be. We uh-huh. thought, hey, we're doing really good with this. <laughs> And it's funny because it's it's almost a little play on stereotypes. It's like you literally are literally looking for a stereotype in a mall. And it could just be anybody. I mean, obviously, we know spies are meant to blend in. It could have been a person that was standing right next to them, and they would not have known it. It could have been that guy. It could have been. He maybe he, maybe his side job as a spy is Lily Jazzer's. Maybe he's, that's his dream he's career. He's got hobbies. It's his dream career, and he's doing it on the side while he's doing spy shit. There you go. I mean, don't that's know. a good cover, to be right? honest. No one would suspect it. Like, the back of that boombox is definitely the football for a nuclear weapon. It's mm-hmm. just hidden in plain sight. But we have the more important part of the story now with Robin, who gets a little delivery at some point for the ice cream store. And she notices the symbol on his jacket, and it's a Lynx symbol. And I really wish Connor was on for this episode because I've been asking him every episode so far, what do you think this code means? And he just gives wild answers because, I mean, obviously with this code, like who the fuck would have known this is what the code meant? I remember watching this for the first time and just trying to figure out what the hell that Russian code meant. And Robin quickly puts it together after that and realizes that the Lynx transportation group is bringing stuff to the mall 
at 8.45 because the clock arms are blue and yellow. So the whole when blue and yellow meet in the west, 8.45. And then the uh, other part of the code referred to the Imperial Panda restaurant and the Kaufman Shoe Store. It would be between those two stores. And it kind of puts it to hold together where the basically the Lynx Corporation would be delivering a package at this time in between these stores. And we then shift to the nighttime where it's storming out. And it's not very safe, but they're all up on the roof with binoculars just watching. And we see a bunch of armed guards, which is obviously definitely something you would not see at a small town mall at 9 o'clock at night. And we see a bunch of Russians delivering packages. And Steve decides that he wants to take the binoculars from Dustin. They fight over the binoculars, being the immature children they are, make a bunch of noise and alert them to the guards. And they run and hide and they're like, oh, shit, like we just witnessed the whole handoff of goods and we don't know what they were. All we know is they're Russian and they're bringing them to this room. So, Nick, what do you think is going on now that we know the Russians are delivering shit to the Hawkins Mall in the middle of the night? I mean, I, I think it can only mean one thing. And that's hardcore mischievous activity. And well, thank you for putting it vaguely. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, it, it might be a stretch, but they they could be. Uh, I think they're operating on uh, the upside down somehow, some way or another. Okay. They're trying to collect data or something you know like i i kind of touched i i forget which episode it was but i touched on um i think to to you like the uh like the the phantom zone or whatever it was from fantastic four like you know like the longer yes yeah dr doom is on that. that like i i feel like that's kind of in a similar fashion like what i guess maybe they're trying to do is like you know, the more they collect, the more that they try and do stuff so, like the. So, do you the think they're they operating at the mall, or are they using the mall as like a just kind of an in-between spot? They're using it as a in-between spot, I would think. Okay. Because if it's, you know, if if that's where the package is, I, I'd also like to think like in a similar fashion when they were talking about the vines from last season and like the nexus and shit, like that's kind of how I think of this. So I, I would think the mall's probably like the nexus for, you know, whatever's going on. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to have to ask Connor the same thing when he uh, finally goes to watch this episode. But with that, we'll move on to uh, Hopper and Joyce. And we kind of touched on this already with them having, I, I guess, relationship issues at this point of just trying to figure out. They're kind of beating around the bush. Hopper is pissed off at Joyce when he finds out that she was just hanging out with Mr. You know Scott Clark the night before. And that's why he was stood up. And we get this little childish interaction from Hopper, who's just still kind of hung over, but just kind of pissed off and just doesn't want to listen to what Joyce is trying to explain to him and just keeps going like, you know, you're just making stuff up now because you just don't want to move on. And it is partially true, but I mean, Joyce hasn't moved on yet because she still is upset about Bob, which we've seen a few times so far this season. But Hopper is definitely settling in a little bit more because in his mind, he thinks everything is done. And he does mention it to her when they do go to the lab to kind of investigate where they have another little heart to heart moment where he kind of talks about like he wants her to feel safe in this town. Like he's not just sitting around doing nothing. Like he basically was in charge of shutting down the lab. He tells her like, I was there when they closed the doors, like the lab is shut down. Nobody's in there. He's been keeping tabs on it and they break into the lab basically for Hopper to prove to Joyce, like nobody's here still. 
And then what do you know? We see the security cameras moving around as they're going through the hallways. And what do you know? Good old Grigori shows up and they have a little standoff and Hopper gets his ass whooped. So, Nick, how'd you like that fight? Mitchell, what were your thoughts on that fight? Because Hopper, as we know, has always kind of been a little bit of a rogue, not a very good fighter, but damn, he he got his ass whooped this time. Yep. Yep, it's uh, you you couldn't have said it any better. Yeah, he, he he definitely got his ass kicked. It kind of reminded me of, you know, when when Hulk goes to fight Thanos at uh at the start of like Infinity War, and like you think like oh like oh like he's you know Hopper's about to get him, like he's about to do this, and then yeah, no, he he and, gets and a like, few good hits in, but yeah, and to be fair though too, like hot like. Hopper got taken like you know by surprise because you get that kind of great scene where we have the lightning going in the room, the flash from the lightning, and you just see Grigori standing behind Hopper, and that's when you go like, oh shit, like Hopper's gonna get killed. But thankfully he doesn't kill him, which I was also kind of surprised though too. Like Grigori, like we know is a very violent person. He is not afraid to kill. So I'm kind of surprised he didn't kill Hopper because now he's got law enforcement literally looking for him that's what i'm i'm wondering why is he and i i know i've seen it but i don't remember every single intricate detail Mm -hmm. as to why he's not dead but also i think that your comparison is very fair as far as it being like the hulk at the beginning of infinity war against thanos where it's just like a fight that you think might be like a long fight and that's over quick. Yeah, it's quick. one two one two. You're done on the floor. And not even that. Like it's one. Like he just did spinal punches the whole damn. Like he was yeah. like trying to cripple Hopper. Like he just went off. But I like I still don't get why he didn't kill him though. Because like you, he had the perfect spot. He's in an abandoned government facility. No one's ever gonna come check on this thing. At least for quite a few years like you could have easily killed him and dumped the body and been fine but we will find that out eventually i think but not quite sure um but another quick thing that i actually forgot to touch on too is we also learned that joyce is looking to sell the house which spoiler not really a spoiler but it does play in a little bit into season four but we find out joyce is selling the house which will definitely be a factor for splitting the party because obviously that would mean Will would be moving with her. And Hopper does try to convince her to stay, but it's not going to work. So any other final thoughts for Hopper and Joyce, Mitchell and Nick, before we move on? Mm. To uh, worse and worse things, being Will the Wise. Ugh. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> it'll be a quick conversation don't worry yes please. It's, it's worth it's worth talking for the emotions behind the behind the group because as we've seen mike and lucas obviously have slash had girlfriends in this season they're growing up into you know what teenagers are and we have will kind of seizing the moment of holy shit, I've got two of my friends here. There's no girls around. We have a guy day. And what he wants to do is what he's been asking for all season is playing D&D. And we see him basically wake them up, which is kind of a dick move in his little costume, just say, all right, let's do it. He's in full character. And this is where I'm going to make fun of him even more because Noah Schnapp can't act. But now he's acting as an actor, who, a character who is now acting as another character. And the acting doesn't get any better. So, Mitchell, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is a terribly acted scene by Noah Schnapp. It's not very well written or played out either. It's just uncomfortable to watch. And it, It's Noah I, Schnapp trying to act excited, and there was no emotion behind it. They put him in a bad situation, and he handled it worse. Yeah. So, And... It's funny because I feel bad for Will because 
Will has had the worst couple years in terms of childhood and he's been possessed. He's been stored in the upside down for a week. He hasn't really had much of a childhood. And I think he's still just clinging to the fact of, I haven't gotten to hang out with my friends, like just my friends and doing our old stuff. And he's just clinging to that. And Mike and Lucas are obviously, you know, doing other things and focused on other things. And we see that because Will and Luke, you know, Mike and Lucas basically play out his entire campaign in a tire of like 30 seconds. And like, yep, we won. Like, all right, we're done with D&D now. And Will just gets pissed off and just leaves all upset. And I felt bad for Will because it's just like he just wanted to hang out with his friends, do stuff like they used to. And Mike and Lucas just want nothing to do with it. And it's kind of a dick move on their part, too, though, because it's like, I mean, when we, you know, growing up, like, if we were all hanging out together, like, we took advantage and just, that was our guys' day. Like, we hung out, played video games, did stupid shit. Like, we took, you know, we hung out. We didn't just ignore each other and talk to girlfriends the whole time. Like, it was kind of a shitty move on Mike and Lucas's part. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely went. I think both ways with pretty much like how that entire scene and like you know when he leaves plays out because like I, I, I get both of their sides. Like I, I get Will's side and the fact that like for the last like you know two seasons, two years, whatever time like that is, like he he pretty much lost like all of the time he had with his friends. And like yeah. he he didn't really live a normal a normal life. So, you know, yeah. he he didn't really get to move on, but all of his all of his friends have. And now that you know, I think for him it's like now that he's quote back to like normal, it's almost like I don't want to say his friends don't care, but it's like now that he's back to normal, they they're just on to other things. Yeah. Um you know, so I, I think like Mike is correct in saying like, oh, like, did you think we were just gonna play D and D for all our lives? Like, I, I, he's correct in that. Did he have to say it in such like a, a dickish way? No, but I did feel the percentage of of him was correct on that. Like, yeah, like, you know, eventually, like you're going to not play D and D, you know, for every, every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I guess, I guess I had a question too, of maybe two guys. I don't know if this, if this like plays into, into anything, but uh, the way that Mike emphasized, like, it's not my fault. You don't talk to girls. Like the way he said girls, does that, imply like is he implying that like he's gay or something did i miss so something he so mike actually said don't like girls not don't talk to girls he, oh, okay don't like it yes sorry my bad but it, it it's i guess it's a spoiler but not really a spoiler it's nothing behind it but it was like something a lot of people thought about after this scene was like is will's character supposed to be gay at this point I know the yeah, director. It was, the, even... it was the way that he said it. It was just yeah. like it's not my fault you don't like girls. I was just like, and it, it, it like does, that? there there is a moment there is a moment in season four that kind of confirms it for everybody mm-hmm. that will I believe is supposed to be gay at this point. Mm. Um, but before season four coming out, this was the only hint of it. So it was kind of like up in the air of like, was it just poor wording or? Is that what they're implying? But it, overall, yes, I believe Will is supposed to be gay, but it's still, there isn't much contextual evidence to really say yes or no. But yeah, it, it's not much of a an answer, but that's all we really have to go off of. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they might touch on it in season five, but I don't think it's a very important part of no, the story. No, it's, it's not. It was just the way that like, that Mike emphasized it like when he was trying to justify his point. It was just, and it also me, hit- it was just more of like, why did you say it like that? But also yeah. like, like you, you guys touched on it, you know, almost 
every episode we do is that you know Noah, Noah Schnapp when he's when he's acting the scene out and he's like doing like the body twitching and he's like fake crying at first before he actually cries like that entire part just had me cringing i'm like dude like ah <laughs> come on yeah. do it better and that and that's where great scenes fall short because i'm sure if it was a different actor playing will that would have been a much more heart-wrenching scene than it was well of but... course he has to ride the bike in like the rain you know like wasn't it raining when you left Oh, it was pouring out. It was yeah. So the whole pretty much second half of the episode, effect. it's a massive thunderstorm out because you have Max and Eleven arriving at Billy's house, Billy with the thunderstorm. You have right. Dustin and all them on top of the roof in the thunderstorm. And we'll shortly see Jonathan and Nancy doing stuff in the thunderstorm. But yeah, it's all the same night. And he rides off. Mike and Lucas finally kind of coming to their senses. They go after him. But we get, I would say this is probably the only good scene with Will in this episode where he's in Castle Byers. He's looking at all of his kind of childhood stuff and just starts kind of breaking down, calling himself stupid. And then he just takes the baseball bat and just dis- completely destroys Castle Byers, which I think was symbolically was supposed to kind of be showing him basically destroying his inner childhood and moving on with his life because that's what he thinks he's supposed to do now because all of his friends have. I disagree. I thought it was overblown. Why do you think that? Cause, oh, it's, it's raining and no, it was stupid. I well, just, I thought it was too you, much. You just don't have a heart too on the nose. <laughs> well, they had to do something with this character to kind of just, no, they don't kill him. They can't. They've already, they've tried two seasons Kill in a row. It's not happening. Kill them. Well, keep going. <laughs> keep going. You can get them. I think you always to the again. Yeah. No, you got them. Hit them with that baseball bag. You can get the job done. <sighs> always to the extreme, Mitchell. But anyway, so after he has his little breakdown, destroying everything, he gets a little tingle on the back of his neck, realizing the mind flayer is back. Mike and Lucas arrive just in time, turns around, and he goes, he's back. Nice little Harry Potter reference of when Voldemort comes back, and everybody's, he's back. And we move on to the final final duo of this episode, and we'll wrap this up quickly. Uh, Jonathan and Nancy continue their investigation into the rats. We see Nancy attempt to pitch the story, and it gets shot down, and obviously you can see her very upset because they just completely disrespect her and just make fun of her and shit on the fact that she's trying to do their job essentially. And obviously Nancy doesn't put up with that. So she decides to go out on her own and drag Jonathan along with her. And they go back to Mrs. Driscoll's house in the thunderstorm, the middle of the night, pulling a max and 11 card by just going into the house. And granted, they at least knocked before just walking in. But Jonathan's trying to be the voice of reason. Like, we can't do this. Nancy comes up with the bullshit reason. Like, well, she's an old woman. Maybe she's hurt and needs help. And they just waltz right in. And we find Mrs. Driscoll in the basement chowing down on some good old fertilizer. Got that crazy look in the eye. Look tasty. (laughs) You You know, any good thunderstorm midnight snack some good old fertilizer it gets like the blood little, pump. i like a it's little tasty. honey yeah i like a little honey with my fertilizer it makes it go down a little nicer see i'm more of a tabasco sauce kind of guy mm, mm, that's fair i feel like that would be a good combination i respect that <laughs> but that's that's how we end the episode with uh crazy mrs driscoll with the wild eye and uh yeah that was an interesting way to end the episode so with that, Mitchell, Nick, did you have any other thoughts on the little Driscoll incident? Nick, what do you think is going on with Mrs. Driscoll at this point? Because um, definitely a big turn from the sweet Mrs. Driscoll we saw earlier in the previous episode. Yeah, so 
I don't know. I mean, the w the way that I kind of see it right now is like, I I guess, I guess the 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 mind flayer is like not only possessing, you know, like Billy and and Heather and you know now the parents and all that, but I don't know. I guess like to me, it's like now that Mrs. Driscoll's just like eaten. A bunch of fertilizer like she's clearly on you know possessed to some degree but i don't know if she she didn't say any words right like she just gave him a look nope she was definitely mumbling something or like so kind of crying something but it was anything verbal so like she didn't look like like she could have acted in the same manner as like heather so I, I don't know to me that's like are, are there variants of possession now like you have you know you becoming what you are from the rats and now like you know becoming what you will be if like billy captures you i don't know <laughs> that's kind of the, the confusion that goes on it's just like what the fuck is this <laughs> but yeah that's 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 about all I got. Okay. Well then, uh, Mitchell, if you have nothing else to say, let's let's move on to some ratings. Let's do it. So, I will kick it off. I am going to give this episode a eight point one. Um, enjoyable episode, but again, like we mentioned, it's more of a. It's it's what season three filler is supposed to be. It's nothing bad or not it's nothing miserable but it's nothing super exciting but it's definitely important because it sets up a lot of what's about to happen in the next couple episodes so it's definitely a big filler slash setup episode so 8.1 and i'm gonna go with the mitchell rating of i'm gonna say 8.21 um yeah i uh i i find that for a lot of the episodes that you know we that we watch that i tend to agree with most of the things that you say tommy um i think for this it definitely like i yeah you mentioned filler. It's definitely not a filler, but there were parts of it that just I wanted to, you know, I wanted it to progress like as fast as it could. Um, but I do understand like there were parts of it that like definitely set up what's to come. Like, you know, the part with like Heather's parents and, and Billy and, uh, you know, all the other stuff. So I'm going to give it a, a 7.9 uh, for that reason. My okay. Mitchell rating is going to be... <sighs> I'm going to go with an 8.47. No, sorry, 8.04. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right, playing close to my vest, I see. Yeah. So, Tommy, yours was an 8.1, right? Yes. Okay. As far as the uh, guessing my grade goes, if you go over, you don't get it, right? Correct. Price what happens right if you correct. both go over? Uh, then, then I guess we... the person that's closest to the number. Then we... I think right. no. So, I think uh... we both just get fucked. I think that's just what because it is. Because here's the deal, Nick. You gave it a seven point nine. Tommy, you gave it an 8.1, and uh, you guys might be happy. I'm right in the middle, and I'm at an even number. Just 8. Just what? simply just simply what? 8. Yeah. Blasphemy. Bullshit. Just, Absolute just, blasphemy. It just felt feel, right to just on. give it a straight hold up on. 8. Feel, this, is, this is betrayal to the highest degree. Oh, so now you what, guys want me to give it a nice? I don't know. I don't know. Mitchell, what you, I'm you can't set the tonight. expectations of you giving an asinine number every episode, and then just in the middle of the third season, go. You know what? 
not, I'm not even gonna do a two digit I've number. I'm just gonna before. give a one digit number. You can't season do that. one episode four. I gave that one a nine straight up. And this one, I'm just giving it an eight. Look, I'm not gonna manufacture <sighs> some wild and crazy bullshit if I don't have that to give. You always this have episode, it to give. Don't give me that. This crap. episode gave me an eight. So I give this episode an eight. It doesn't need anything more than an eight, okay? It doesn't need an eight point zero one just for the shits and the giggles. It doesn't need a seven point nine nine. It needs an eight. So that's what it gets. I'm giving this an eight. I hate you. There, there you go. Eight, 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 eight. But I will say, no spoilers, but also hella spoilers. Higher grades are coming. Just, just, oh. just saying. Higher That's grades, no. higher grades are coming. I cannot now, wait we, to dive into it. We we will talk to Connor once he finally watches the episode, and we'll get the ratings from him. We will obviously not tell him the ratings until then. But I believe Izzo, you were the current winner of this week with Mitchell's bullshit eight. So with that, let's wrap this up. <laughs> I, I I I feel I feel betrayed. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust, you know, if I can trust him anymore. I, you know, you guys yeah. are coming along, come a long way from not liking when I do that to missing it when because I because we come so to rely you. on it, Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, well, we're not going to get a uh, unless Connor <laughs> gives us something wild and crazy. We're going to have a much more uh, humane number in the system for this coming episode. So, congratulations, folks. But that is going to wrap things up for Season 3, Episode 3, The Case of the Missing Lifeguard. Next up is Episode 4, The Sauna Test. And I can't wait to talk to you guys about that. So thank you for listening. For Tommy Grant and Nick Izzo, I'm Mitchell Lee. Thanks for listening to Stranger Nerds here on Jersey Nerds Productions. And uh, look forward to some fantastic episodes here to come.